What y'all listening to? Lime My Highlight Podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Limelight Highlight Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Rosario. And on this episode of the podcast, we're actually doing something a little different. Instead of the weekly good stories, we're actually interviewing um, Pat Costello, Ken Costello, and Tim Costello. Yes. Yes. Three Costellos. Um, if you guys want to introduce yourselves, you can do so now. Uh, Pat Costello, son of Jack Costello. Of the Jack Costello Boxing Club. I'm Ken Costello, second son of Jack Costello, one of ten kids, uh, advisor to the club, for lack of a better word. I'm Tim Costello, uh, Jack's grandson. Uh, my dad and my uncle opened up this gym in 96. Okay. And um, the reason you guys are here is um, I got in touch with you from your son, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me your number, but I got in touch with Brian from Tommy, who's the president of the block is back. And as I said before, this podcast is full of a, a positive podcast right? and, um, all the work that, you know, your dad has done in the community and now you, and then uh, your son is running the gym. So kind of just wanted to get a little, um, background on, you know, you can go on Wikipedia and find out and even on the boxing page, but to you guys, who was Jack Costello? Besides being my dad, he was um, he he was a great guy. But um, like you, you, we spoke earlier. You read in the uh, one line about him being in Korea. He was he was a boxer. He was an amateur boxer out of Kensington section of Philadelphia. Uh, grew up in Port Richmond, and um, he was getting ready to turn pro, and then ended up into Korea. When he came out of Korea, married my mom, had ten kids. But he always had the love for boxing, so he spent the rest of his life pretty much training amateur kids with with the object of teaching them uh, discipline, self-worth, keeping off the street, getting a good job, and that kind of thing. But he, he had a regular job, too. He worked for Pico for the last 20 years. and The electric wor- company, right? Electric company, yeah. yeah. But he, before that, he worked for Midvale Steel. They went out on strike. They never came back. I think he worked for Herman Goldner's for a little while, which is an industrial company. They do home repairs and things like that, refrigeration, all kinds of stuff. Then he got the job in Pico, and I guess he had 20, 20, almost 25 years or something like that. Don't hold me to that. But we're prejudiced because he was our father, but anybody that knew him will tell you he was larger than life. And he wasn't, he wasn't a blowhard. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a guy that came in and tried to take over the room. But when he spoke, everybody listened. And he, and he only... He just said things that meant something, you know. You, you just everything he said was important, and uh, that's what we were raised on. And uh, it's a real tribute to Patrick and Timmy and Brian and my sister Carolyn and all the people that have kept that club going. But it's named in his honor, and I'm sure he'd be very proud of them for what they've done. I never got to meet my grandfather. He died the year before I was born. But uh, I can't tell you how many times my whole life, even my friends, anytime they wear a gym shirt, they get stopped constantly. Yeah. You know Jack Costello? You know Jack? Jack was the greatest. And it's people of all ages. I mean, people that went to high school with him, people that you know worked with him back in the day, knew him from boxing, to kids my own age that just know of the gym and just know of the Costello name because of my grandfather. He really was just genuinely the best guy. He helped everybody, and that's what everybody said. He's the guy you can count on. He's the guy you could call, and he'd always be there for you. 
and opening the gym. Something my cousin talked about recently, a good way to say about the gym, because people always ask if we were fighters. I never boxed in my life. I trained here and there, but we mostly help people through boxing. And that's what I've learned from my grandfather. He loved boxing and he loved helping people. We opened the gym to help people as a way to do it through boxing, getting people into the gym, helping you know young kids out. But just hearing for what he did to kids and like the community back in the day, just helping everybody out, it's just something you look up to. And seeing my uncles, my dad, I mean, it's just, you know, it's an honor to be a part of it. And when they say this gym is a nonprofit organization, they're not kidding. Correct me if I get the facts wrong, guys, but they charge $10 a month gym dues. You you get in whether you have the money or not. They don't, I don't think they turn anybody away. Uh, they, some, they keep it going with, I'll say, donations. The, uh, the one beef and beer that we run every year is a big sellout. If you heard us talking about it earlier, every year, Timmy, who's not here tonight, is a nervous wreck that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Timmy is father, not the other yeah. time. Uh, and every year he gets the same 400 people to show up, and they can't wait to do it. It's wow. just, you know, it's something they look forward to. And it's a, it's a fun thing. It's not just a, a charity. We all have a good time at it. It's family and friends. Same 400 people every year. And it's a good time. My dad worked for Midvale Steel. It was Midvale Heppenstall Steel Company. Yeah, Roxborough, Manny, Yonk. The building, they used to pour uh, cannons for the, or barrels for the tanks during the war. And um, it's actually, the building is in a a Guinness Book of World Records for the tallest one-story building in the world because when they started pouring the the barrel, the tank barrels, they couldn't couldn't stop. Long story short, they were, um, they went out on strike and, um, I actually walked my first picket line, Union picket line. I think it was eight years old. It really? Yeah. And <laughs> it was for, it was for Midvale Steel, and it ended up they ended up going out of business after that strike. We just moved in the house where we're sitting now in, in 1965 or 66, I think it was. So we had a new house, ten kids, no job, <laughs> and there was no unemployment. There was no unemployment. There was no uh, strike fund. There was no nothing. So he was going out looking for, looking for work. That's how he ended up working at working at Goldner's. But he never gave up. And the one passion that he that he never wavered from was the boxing. And the, and the reason because it, the 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 boxing wasn't was to help the kids. To help the kids on the street. He grew up on the street, and boy, uh, well, my grandparents and all that. But it was all hard work back then. My my grandparents were uh, they were through the depression and everything else. So when we moved in here, there was a couple there was a couple bad gangs that hung in the neighborhood. One right here on the corner, um, another one up up a couple blocks, and I remember. Um, we have a sister, Miriam. She's second. She's deaf, can't talk, never heard a sound. And she goes up to the... My mom would send her up to the grocery store after finally got her out of the house because the kids would tease her. But said they called call, send her with a note, but called the guy up, told her he was coming. So, um, naturally, the kids teased her, turned into a, turned into a big ordeal. So my dad went up and gave the guys on the corner a visit, <laughs> and the um, he grabbed the biggest guy on the corner. He was probably in his forties or 
50s or whatever, but they were 18, 19 years old. I never forget the kid Billy Hayes. He grabbed the biggest guy on a corner and said, you know, he, he grabbed the biggest guy because he knew he was going to take care of him. And let the... <laughs> so as a result of that, the... Um, Ain't a bother anymore. They would carry her groceries from the store after that, <laughs> nice. down to the house. And but the, there was respect there, wasn't yeah. it? He he was a, he was six foot one or six two, something like that, and he was a tough guy, but he was a gentleman, and it was respect. So the the, the gang down here on this corner, it was Whitey and Joe Peak and all them guys. The nine gang, yeah, battle. My uh, dad's at the gym at the time at Harrogate Boxing Club training the kids all the kids used to come here and meet and he would take them down to the gym he did a 1965 ford station wagon which he had for about 15 years so my mom's sitting on the porch with my grandmother who at the time was 80 or in her 80s and a nice night like tonight sitting down on the porch and they come home my dad leaves to the gym with the kids and when he comes home now they're in the house and it's hot, and they're saying, why are you sitting in the house? And, well, because the guy's on the corner, F this, MF that, F this. And uh, so my dad goes up the corner. He says, hey, Billy, hey, Joey, come here. I want to talk to you. And when they walked out, he grabbed them both by the hair of the head and banged their heads together. Yeah. Right? And that, once again, the, no more problems after that. But what became of those two incidents was... Uh, my dad told this kid, Billy, he said, Billy, if you don't turn your life around, you're going to end up doing life on the installment plan. Hmm. And it wasn't a matter of, I'm the tough guy, leave my family alone, or you're messing with the wrong guy, or you're messing with the wrong family. It was a matter of he wanted to get through to these kids. So we ended up getting a, actually a lot of them from this corner and the other corner, went down to the gym, Mark Conran. Oh, yeah. Uh, Billy Canadas kids name was and um, a, a couple of them j j as the other guy that they, the two kids that had their heads banged together Joey turned out really good he actually got his life turned around he's doing good I see him today Billy not so much he did end up doing his life on the installment plan but I remember my mom hollering because my dad took money like he had money and he took money out of the kitty and went and bought Billy a pair of sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Now he's got 10 kids, he's working three jobs, and he's Yeah, we didn't have stuff. any sneakers. No, it's not true. <laughs> and, uh, that's not true. It, but he gave this kid a pair of sneakers. And my mom was, was man, he was trying to get through to the kid. And um, that's, just the, that's just the way he was. So when we got, it, I, I could tell you a million stories like that. Uh, through through our whole through our whole life growing up and um, well no I just I just add you you can't help the family you're born into right you're born into a family and whatever happens to your family life. that's your family it's just the way it goes and I'm obviously I'm going to say it again Jonathan we're biased I'm talking about my family but we have a colorful family I we, I always say we're, we were never the Brady bunch but even the Brady bunch wasn't the Brady bunch right right so, TV show yeah. And the boxing was an important part of my dad's life, but it was, he was—he did help—he helped people everywhere. There's a—I don't know if you're, there's a group called Malvern. It's a, it's a religious retreat that when we graduated eighth grade, it's a men's retreat. It's uh, when it started anyway. Um, when you graduated eighth grade, 
my dad grabbed us the third weekend of August. You were going away for the weekend with my dad and my uncles, and it's a religious retreat. When I was young, I liked it because I was hanging out with my brothers. Well, like, there's my older brother, Steve. He went one year, then the next year was me, then it was Timmy. It was every, everybody, every year somebody graduated eighth grade, we brought the, whole, the rest of that family out. Well, between the ages of 18 and 23, the last place I wanted to be on a weekend in August was at this retreat because all my buddies are playing football in the bars and a girl, blah, blah, you get the whole thing, you know. And uh, But it became a big part of our lives. And correct me if I'm saying any of this wrong, Pat, but AA was also a big part of his life, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm proud of that because of what it meant to our family. He got sober, and I think I got this right, when he met a guy at Malvern. He straight got him on Ed Friel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, got him in AA, completely changed his life around, hadn't drank for 28 years. Wow. Uh, but, and I don't, again, I say that with pride, Jonathan, because the f- people that we grew up with were all AA people, and they were the best people in the world. They were, they were regular people. People had rough lives and did things that we all did, you know, and uh, they, were the f- they became our parents' friends for life, and uh, they were just the best people in the world. But my dad was always helping people. And I'm glad we got time because I can tell you this story. Little D, like God works in strange ways. In 1990, I hope I don't embarrass you, and if I'm wrong, feel free to tell me. Uh, they were supposed to go to Ireland. My dad and mom always wanted to go to Ireland. I think it was like 1987. Whatever year the flight got shot down over Lockerbie, Scotland. You can look that up because I don't know the date. But when that happened, they canceled the trip to Ireland. Well, 1990, they finally decided to go. They're going to go. So they go to Ireland march or rape or something like that you know i'm gonna embarrass you but patrick got an aa in 1990 am i right okay um and then my at the end of our at the end at the end of the night at our retreat exercises in malvern our group has an aa meeting and my dad was a guy that would chair the meeting which means he would open up the meeting and invite people to come up and speak well that particular year he spoke at the meeting and i'm telling you we used to go to his anniversary meeting. Every every anniversary of sobriety, we'd go to his meeting in the Northeast meeting up here. And they'd have cake and coffee. And we'd, we'd have stupid kids. We didn't even know what it was probably. But it was big to my family, to my parents. You must have set a hell of an example, too. Awesome, for... awesome. So that year at Malvern, 1990, even though we had heard his story 10 or 12 times, nobody was speaking when he was speaking. I, I remember thinking, my, my daughter had just been born a year earlier, and I was videotaping every little thing she did. And I thought, man, I wish I had a video camera to videotape my father speaking at that meeting, which you probably wouldn't be allowed to do because it's Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. But um, defeat, defeat the purpose a yeah. little bit. <laughs> but little did we know, those three, those three great things happened that year, and he died two, oh, wow. two months later. Yeah, you know, they said God works in strange ways. We didn't know that, but uh, he was just, I'm saying it again, he was just larger in life. After he died, my mom would tell you a story about she. She was. This is the house she grew. This is the house we grew up in. It belongs to our nephew Brian now. But um, she's home by herself one night, and she sees this kid walking up and back and forth past the house, and she's a little bit nervous. Finally, the kid gets the courage to come up and knock on the door, and he he says he thinks he was the last guy that my father got into AA, wow. and he wanted to thank my mother for what my father did. You know, you ever hear that story? Yeah. And going up on the retreat, I'm sorry. No, far away, because I'll talk all night. The, uh, on the retreat, I've been going for, I think, like 17 years now. So many guys up there always talk about the last night, the uh, meeting that he spoke of, or spoke at, and that he ran that meeting. Every year, guaranteed, people are going to say it this year. He held the room, like you said, when he walked in, he started talking, everybody was silent. 
But I was laughing that you just said about you wish you had a camera to video him. Yeah. We recently found home videos. He apparently videoed everything. Oh, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember yeah. that. I, I never met him. So my cousin Brian, he found videos in the basement. So we were watching them. First off, again, he's a big part of our family. Obvious reasons, you know, the gym and big part of the community that we I've heard about him my whole life. To see him on these videos, it was like mind blowing for me. So I've never seen him. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Never seen a video of him move. Never heard his voice. Which my uncle Kenny right here sounds exactly like him. The tone of your voice. When at first, when he was always behind the camera, he was videoing. This is, first thing I said was, is "This Uncle Ken." My cousin <laughs> Brian's like, "No, nah, it's Grandpa." Like you said, to me, it sounds identical. But uh, yeah, he videoed. There were he had a camera down at the bar, and the cameras were. They were big cameras, and he had it down at the bar, videoing uh, somebody's birthday, every event, every holiday here. He was videoing my grandmother walking up with groceries, and the best part, we were laughing at that, grandma was across the street, and he's like, he's going across, and do you need a hand? She's like, yeah, Jack, and he goes, and he waited, and she got across the street, and he goes, oh, you're already here. <laughs> we were dying laughing at it. Like, he had a sense of humor. Oh, uh, yeah. John, yeah. he was gadget guy, but to that end, uh... He had eight millimeters. Like we had video, he had the, had the screen with the reels and all that stuff. And when video cameras came out, he was a nut. Like the year I got married, for example, we come. It's our first Christmas married. We're coming in, you know, celebrate with the family and all that. He wasn't set up with the camera, so we walk in. Hey, Merry Christmas! No, go back outside. Wait till I get ready. So he's got my mother there holding the Klig light, and he's got. You know, we're out there freezing while he's getting everything set up so he can videotape us. But that was his thing. He was a gadget guy. Loved VCRs. Uh, well, we used to. I used to video the uh, the fights when they were down at Blue Horizon, like they're saying the cameras. They back then the cameras were like speed or like the TV cameras that the, the news the stations. Huge, huge yeah. ones before yeah. they could be compact. So we used to. I used to go down to the Blue Horizon when they had the the fights down at Blue Horizon and would video the fights, and that was for, they would take them back to the gym and at the see you know. Like the replays that they do want to see where they made their mistakes, where they got to improve, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But um, when they when he passed away in 1990, now this guy was he was a working guy. That's when he he worked at he was a rigger by trade. He worked in a steel mill, and then when that went out, he got a job at Pico where he was working in steam heat division in the manholes in Center City, Philadelphia. But when he passed away, he was actually working in the office. He went to college when he late fifties and got a degree and was an EAP employees assistance program to help alcoholics and drug addicts for Pico. And um, he 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 loved that. So he was he was pretty heavy into the that whole. But no, he he combined yeah. he combined his life experience as a kid growing up and. Um, the boxing and the sober so he could relate he could relate to all these all these kids that they that were stuck on the street and a lot of kids they they really didn't have, have anywhere to go and, and the the um jim turned them around like he actually he he cared about these kids so i mean like i said they were the, the, the kids i remember them uh, Billy Abel, Buddy Osborne, Marky Goodwin, all them guys coming here 13, 14 years old. So um, I was telling John earlier about uh, PRISM, the first sports cable program. They did a documentary on boxing in Philadelphia, and it was uh, called Kid Gloves. And they did my dad at uh, Harrogate and going around to 
uh, city at different gyms. And, and the whole thing about his boxing career and what he did, he loved boxing. He loved boxing. He loved the, the fights and all that. But it wasn't, this for him, it wasn't the sport itself. It was the turning lives around and helping, what, the, helping the kids and giving kids a shot, letting kids know that they had a, a shot where, where they didn't think they they did there was uh, my mom got one letter he when he died there was 210 cars in a funeral procession and over 3,000 people at the viewing and and that's what I started to say like this he wasn't a politician he wasn't famous he wasn't any of that he was just a guy that helped <laughs> help the neighborhood and help the kids so we're in the gym here across the street now the Jack Costello Boxing Club and new owners just bought it in the last couple of years and they said to me um like, first of all, they, they came in from New York. They were impressed with what we're doing over there and, and, and how we're helping the kids and all that. But they said the UPS guy comes. And he says, oh, yeah, I used to box here when I was a, when I was younger and I was a kid. The FedEx guy, the other, other guy, he says, oh, is there anybody that didn't box here when he was a kid? So they, they were just new in the building. And they um, went to come in and they messed up the alarm. So the alarm goes off. So all of a sudden, the cops surround the building there they own the place and they run right past the owners up to the gym because they want to make sure somebody wasn't robbing the gym they didn't care about the rest <laughs> yeah. of the building because half the cops box there a lot of the cops in this area boxed there when they were uh, younger but we had so the whole thing at the jack Costello boxing club is really a tribute to my dad. Like he wanted, he was getting ready to retire. He's, he died October 26th, was supposed to retire that November or that January. And he was going to open up his own gym. And um, he didn't do it. So George Baquetto was a boxing commissioner in Pennsylvania under Governor Ridge. And he liked the idea of opening a gym in the Northeast because a lot of them are down North Philly or Kensington or, or wherever. So they they approached they approached me actually with it, and um, I went to talk to a friend of mine from the Carpenters Union, Jack Helverson, who's been friends. He's a good, solid guy, and it, it just it just kind of kind of evolved the whole thing. So this is how crazy this whole thing started. I went to Jack. They wanted a couple guys do this. You know, we want to do this. We want to do that. And to be honest with you, I thought maybe they had ulterior motives hmm. which they turned out they did but <laughs> we're not about that so jack who's a stand-up guy i told him about it and he said so we went and met and so he said yeah we'll do it so um we're now we have to find a place to have the gym we come we're going to do this we look at that we get the support from like i said the pennsylvania boxing commissioner at the time we went around to the local elected officials, city council, and tried to draw as much support as we can. And we went to the building trades, the local building trades union, and got support. So we're looking to find a place. And there was, a, I remember just having a conversation. We're looking for a needle in a haystack because we didn't have any money. We didn't have anything except an idea and a legacy. And, um, this fellow George Pyrich from Pittsburgh, he had a 
photo finishing lab. He did all the finished pictures for weddings and stuff like that when they had film. And on 19, I guess it was this would have been 92, 93, something like that. I just happened to be walking out of here across the street. It was a cold winter day, and it, the dumpster, he had just made settlement on that building, and the dumpster's rolling across the street. So I ran out and grabbed the dumpster, and I grabbed the thanks a lot. He introduced himself. He, and he, I, he said, yeah, I just bought this building. I said, what are you doing with it? And he was going to turn it into a lab. But the whole thing had to be completely gutted, re, gutted rehabbed yeah. the whole thing. And he said, what are you doing? And I told him what, what we wanted to do. And he said, anything I could do to help kids, I'm in. His father got killed in Korea. And he was headed down. He grew up in Pittsburgh. He was headed down a wrong road. And he said it was because a boys club in Pittsburgh saved his life. So very similar experience. To you yeah. To, to it was the needle in the haystack. It was unbelievable. That. Wow. We were there for over 20 years and he never charges a dime rent. Wow. 3,000 square feet. And it, it, the deal was that he, he never wanted anybody to know that he wasn't charging us rent. It was, it was just unbelievable. We were in there before he got his business up and running. So Jack Helverson, through the carpenters, he was the, he took off two years, a year and a half of work and just built that. Organized wow. the whole thing. We had all the building trades. Yeah. Uh, donate. We had the members donating their time, their labor. We had... Um, uh, and you're talking quality work. Because we just had to re tear it down. They moved the gym to the third floor. It was terrible trying to tear it down. It was yeah. nailed and renailed. I mean, that was built uh, to yeah. last. Quality yeah. work. But top-notch union labor. We had contractors uh, contr uh, contributing material. And you guys had zero money. Zero. Wow. So we started out, and we got it up and running the first day. Uh, we had our grand opening in 1996. We had 400 people up there. And we had congressmen, city council, state senators, the uh, boxing commissioner. We had lawyers. We did an app. Exhibition. I was drawing a blank. We had <laughs> exhibitions and we had lawyers fighting former pros that my dad actually trained. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Rodney Frazier, I thought, fought up there. I'm yeah. Mistaken, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. We Joe had Frazier's Tex Cobb was there. Yeah. Uh, Tex, Tex Cobb. There were so many people there wanting to get in. We were a little nervous because the, the neighbors, we didn't have the neighbors we were going to go with this. But actually, because it was a Jack Costello boxing club, they knew who us was. They said, we'll give it a, give it a shot. Now we've been there for 26 years. But the kids that come in there, so a guy I was telling you earlier, we had a, it takes a lot of dedication to, every day. And these kids depend on it. Like when the kids get in the habit of, habit of coming, like they go to school, after they look forward to coming to the, the gym. It's yeah. kind of like a safe haven for them. Especially, I mean, as you can see, you know, later, as the years progress, you know, since you guys have been here for so long, the, you know, yeah, kids get, on it. Yeah, kid, yeah, kids are getting worse. And once and again, I didn't hard. realize until the last few years, we're probably the only gym in the city that doesn't charge something. We I, charge them $10, and the $10 actually covers their hand wraps and their mouthpiece. Wow. But half of the kids can't pay. So like Ken said, nobody's nobody's ever turned away. 
And as a result of the relationships with the community and the building trades and, and a number of other people, we had judges in this Philadelphia court sentence the kids to community service at our gym. So even more help. Right. But the point was a lot of the kids stayed. Yeah. And really? they then they report back and their, their records were expunged or it was they did their community service, it, it, whatever it was. But we had judges, sitting judges, we, uh, because of the reputation over the years. And it was it's just a result of everything that my uh, my dad had started. So we we did that, and we had, like Ken said, we had the 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 beef and beer every year, which is our main source of revenue to help. Which we, we tried it. We have a a, a, a shoestring budget. It costs about twelve, fourteen thousand, I'm guessing, a year, and um, that's what we that's we try to raise that much money. That's all throughout the year. I mean, it's donations here and there, and the support that we get from the community again, even from what they built when they first built the gym to the time they built it two years ago. Yeah, and throughout the years with the beef and beer, with all donations throughout the year. I mean, it's it's incredible how much support we really get, and that is literally what keeps us going. That is anything that is- from any little fundraiser we have. It's. Again, we don't charge the kids much, and nobody gets turned away. So every little donation. It, it's amazing that you say that because you know, reading the profile on you know about your father and the and the gym, I came came across uh, came across the quote. You know, uh, a man who's measured by success, who a man who measured success by saving people, not money, and it's like that's that was a, him. Right, yeah, that's exactly. And and you guys have kept kept that uh that legacy alive. You know. And with that being said, you know, like you said, you you have that and, and communities donating throughout the year. Right. Um, were there any scares or hardships you guys, you know, kind of came up on where you're like, I don't know if we could keep doing this. Well, we that, we at one point in, in the beginning, it was myself, Jack Halverson, and there was a couple other guys. Um, actually, one was a Philly cop and another one who was a. He's actually chief of police in um, Bucks County right now, one of the municipalities. He would come up, and then there was another another uh, cop. Um, I forget his name, but my dad trained him when he was younger, and then he came up and he would box the heavyweights for us, uh, sparred them, work them out. But um, it came to a point. Where I was at the point, I was, I, this is too much because now I live in uh, Horsham. It's about 45 minutes away from here. I do real estate. I had night's appointments. I actually had the kids, Brian and Jacqueline. And it was getting to be, getting to be too much. And I, I, I was really leaning towards, you know, we try this. It's good. It's nice. And we're going to, but uh, can't. Can't keep doing it. Yeah. So there was a 7-Eleven that ran a corner. And I was up there one night on the way to the gym getting a cup of coffee. And there was a guy, I, I don't know who he was. There was a guy on the other side of the counter getting a coffee. I was wearing a boxing club shirt. And he says, are you one of them guys that trained my kids over there at that gym? And I said, I said, yeah, yeah. He almost had tears in his eyes. And he said to me, he said, for the first time in my life, since my kid's been going to that gym, I know where he is on a Saturday night. Wow. Because when they come to the gym, they like, especially uh, Timmy stays in touch with the parents. 
They got to do good in school. If they're not doing good in school or they got problems in school. It's the first thing he says when a new kid signs up. I've been hearing it my whole life in the ring when he, or in the gym. When a kid signs up, he'll be wrapping his hands. And he always says to him, first thing, you do your schoolwork. You can't come here if you're doing bad at school. He said, dude, grades come up, then you can start coming again. But you have to do good in school and you stay off the streets. That's, that's first amazing. I mean, you guys are instilling them basic structure that I'm, I'm sure certain a lot of these kids are missing. It's too them. bad Timmy Sr. isn't here because you got to see him when he talks to a kid for the first time. It's unbelievable. And, and you, you, you can imagine you're getting, and I don't want to say, you get troubled kids, but you get kids that have no place else to go. And you got kids that they're coming to the gym and they think they're going to learn how to fight so they can beat somebody up when they get, That's get the home That's the first thought anybody yeah, Exactly. And Timmy straightens them out right off the bat. We're going to teach you how to fight, but we're going to teach you you don't have to fight. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not doing it justice. You got to. It's too bad he's not here because he doesn't. Right, you're not allowed to fight out on the street. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, and you don't have to fight, and the, and nobody yeah. gets in the ring until they're ready to get in the ring. And That's another thing kids do. They think they're just going to jump in, put some gloves in, yeah. gloves on, and fight. And it, you got to earn that. They, yeah. And and that's such a such a such a thing to say about your gym because you know a lot of these other gyms, for profit gyms, are. I don't care if you do your work. I don't care if you get it. You know, I'm I'm throwing. I'm making a big generalization, yeah, but for the most part, as long as you're paying your dues, you can come. You know, and you guys, like you said, you know, pay your dues or don't. We're not turning you away, but you're still giving a kid, and I'm sure, the attention that they really need that they're not getting anywhere else. And that's that's amazing. yeah, he does. We don't turn kids away that can't fight, <laughs> and we don't turn kids away that will never be able to fight. Again, yeah. that's why, like when we were saying before, like I think a good way to put it, I mean, Brian was talking about recently is we help people through boxing. We help people first. Right. Yeah. Other boxing gyms, they're there. If you're gonna go there, you're paying the money. You're gonna they're gonna. Uh, Focus on boxing. Mm-hmm. We're here to help people. We're here to help people, you know, especially the young kids. And I remember I grew up going to that gym. My mom would work nights sometimes. I'd go there, do my homework with my dad, or I'd be here at my grandmom's. And I remember even being like younger, and there'd be like kids, and they'd be arguing, they'd be starting trouble in the gym. I'd be like, think to my dad. And again, I'm a little kid. I'm like, just kick them out. Like, why are they starting that? My dad always said, he's like, you don't do that. That's, they're here for a reason. Yeah. They have nowhere else to go. If you kick them out of here, they're going to be in the street, or some of these kids, and then as I got older, you realize that they come there for the help and they appreciate it. And you don't want to just send people home when that, say if that's their problem or send them to the streets when that's not going to help anybody. As a little kid, you know, you don't realize that until I get older. I look back to growing up, seeing my dad do that. And he always said, every time we get back in the gym or get back in the car like, to go home, grandpa never turned anybody, it's always, grandpa never turned anybody away. As long as there was a gym, you had somewhere to go if he was there. He was always there to help people. That's what we're here to do. Been hearing that my whole life and now I'm, now that I'm going more often and I'm, I'm seeing the bigger picture now that I'm older, I, you appreciate it. And I understand now what he was really, what the goal was. We weren't just a boxing gym. We're there to help the community. We're there to help anybody that needs it. He told, he told kids all the time, take my cell phone. If there's any, ever a problem, if you're not at the gym, you can call me. Yeah, that's what we're here for. And it was, it's, you know, it was cool and to see And they call. I'm they sure. do call. I mean, with, you know, just to echo that, you know, you got these, uh, you got these, these people who, are so disconnected, you know, from what I'm getting, I'm just, from what you guys are telling me, is just such a, they always say it takes a village to raise a kid, and you guys got a lot of kids, you know, there's a right. huge, it, it's a huge village, you know, coming from you guys, and it's like, like you said, you know, when you first, when you were younger, you think, just kick them out, yeah. and that's the first thought, a lot of people who are disconnected from what they see in the, you know, these kids, they just think these troubled kids there's no use in saving them there's no point but you guys are doing the complete opposite and that's that just well that's the important that's it that's the exact point and it's an important point because a lot of the kids I, I would say most of the kids that come into the gym not all of them 
but most of them have they come from problem backgrounds family problems and some you know some of them don't have the greatest parents or some of them don't know where their parents are at the at the time and they have a very low self-esteem it all kind of starts from home yeah they they don't they have a very low self-esteem and then they come into the gym and it doesn't matter if they can fight they can't fight but somebody takes interest in them just a few years ago and they 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 know that you're being honest with them and they know you're that you're sincere and they know that you care because they know lies and bullshit because they deal with it all the time on a regular basis and it just builds up their it just really helps them out um with their self-confidence their self-esteem and then they learn there's guys um there there was one guy that um he was in my mom got a letter not too long after my dad passed and it said dear mrs costello my name's so-and-so you don't know me blah 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 but i heard about um jack passing away and i wanted to say you know condolences he said, but he wanted her to know that today he's living his dream instead of dreaming his dream. And he was a fighter pilot in um, Iraq, uh, Desert Storm 1992. So um, that that that's how how you change people's lives, and we've seen it. And they don't all they don't all make it. We had a, we had a kid came in. Actually, was a, a nephew of a of a congressman. He's no longer a co- congressman, but he was, and he's and he called up and said, "Can you help me out?" The kids uh, was with a stepfather and a mom, and then a father. It was just not a real good situation between the parents. It had nothing to do with the kids, and the parents were all good people. They just weren't good people together. Yeah, the so the kids family. caught in the middle, and um, they were worried about him. So he come me and. Uh, Big Tim said, "Yeah, bring him down. We talked to him, doing school, this and that." And he he was doing good. He was a little. He he wanted to get in and fight, but he wasn't ready. We just told him next one, next one, next one. So long story short, one Saturday morning, I get a call. Everything seems to be going good. He's doing good in school. Turns around, I get a call from his mother that Brian locked himself in a room with the radio blasting, and I could, well, you can you come over and talk to him. So I said, "Sure." So I come over. Turns out the kid had hung himself, 14 years oh, old. He was hanging on the end of a, of a belt with his bedpost, off his bedpost. That was the worst, worst situation I was ever in in my life. But um, but they called Pat because Brian trusted Patrick. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and this kid was—I had met him just two weeks ago. I was still bringing Brian Colleen Anastasia. In. You say these things, you should tell people while they're alive, but this kid was the nicest kid, good-looking kid, went to North Catholic, just a real polite kid, and I didn't know him nearly as well as Patrick did, but I had just met him. And I, correct me again, Pat, if I'm wrong, but I think that was a Saturday before Mother's Day. Because mm. oh, I had come over here and you weren't here. That's right. Yeah. And I, that's when I heard the whole story, but it's, like Patrick said, you... The you point I'm trying to make. Lose sometimes. That was, that was a, a terrible situation, and but the point I'm trying to make is... You never know what's in these kids' mind. Like we're saying, he was he was a good kid. He was coming along. He was doing good, but you you never know. That's why you, you can't give up on on any of them, because you you never know where they are. And with the help we get from the community, like we get involved in a lot of things in the community. Uh, 
Timmy goes to that stuff you go to with uh, the block is back. The piece and play. You're actually you're going there too, right? Yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. Yeah. The block is back. The uh, Taconi Civic when they do their yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah the neighborhoods that's... cleanups. The historical thing. Like yeah. we the, the the gym is involved in everything. When I say the gym, it's not so much us. It's the kids. Oh, yeah, the, the kids, kids part trainers. Kids. I mean. They're part of something. Yeah, you're creating an even bigger community than they, the one they you get guys pictures have. with police officers. They get pictures with important people. They get recognized. I don't think anybody's important. Even, these, even the, the kids, though, get recognized. The kids are the most important. Not to interrupt. He gets that from my father. Yeah. My father would talk to the Pope the same way he would talk to us. He was just that. He'd be respectful. Yeah. But he didn't. You know, he didn't just because you had a title yeah, didn't necessarily you make you. Yeah, sure. exactly. But the fact that these kids, like we took a kids. Once again, for the, uh, the building trades, we had a team from Ireland come over and, and box our gym in the old Smith's Brewery down on Gerard Avenue. That was probably in the 90s, 98. It was a great, a great bout. But in return, our team went to Ireland. Now, and, and when, when our team went, we, we got somebody to sponsor, and the community did this for us. That, that each Sponsor sponsored a, a, a kid and a coach. And they went to Ireland. Now we had black, white, male, female, Hispanic. It was it was America, our team, when we went over our USA to fight in Ireland. Those kids will t- will never, if they live to be a hundred years, will never forget that trip. That's a, that's they a don't get out of the neighborhood. They can't get off the yeah. block. That's an experience some people who, even successful people, will never even right. have. Yeah. Sabor is one of the most dedicated trainers we have right now. And um, he brings these kids from all over the city. Well, he puts, as we were just talking about, uh, one kid hasn't been in in a while. And he came in, they were like, you know, teasing him. Like, you know, why, why aren't you going? Summertime, you're out hanging out now, you can't show up to the gym. He had no way of getting here. So, Coach Sabor... And something to stress, too, just all the trainers we've had, but Coach Sabor, he picks them up. He's got a van. He picks up 70 kids, you know, brings them here. On his own time, on his own – I mean, again, that's – On his own time, on his own dime. He, yeah, like everybody's he volunteer, anywhere. even the trainers. The trainers we get, and throughout the years, just growing up, a lot of the trainers were uh, trainers and fighters that knew Grandpa. And once they heard there was a gym, they wanted to help out. They wanted to do their part. And all the trainers that we get, they do it for the love of the sport, and they love, they love boxing. And – we're fortunate enough to have the ones that we have right now. They love helping the kids. And the event Saturday, he's going to be taking a couple of the kids there. Again, it's all their own time, their own effort, and it's just something that they want to do, something they want to be a part of. And when he started coming here, so we were about, he showed up with his own fighters and was happy to you know follow the rules and all. But rules are, too, all the trainers that come in, if you're going to be here all the time, we help everybody. This is a community gym. You know, If you're going to be here with your fighters, you have, to, you, know, you have to help some of the other kids out. Once he found out what we were about, I mean, he took it, by storm, and he, you know, he runs the whole gym some yeah. nights. He'll have twenty kids by himself, and he has everybody doing something. He has everybody moving. And again, he's there on his own time. And it's it's fortunate that we have all the trainers that show up to volunteer. Everybody comes after work. I mean, we open up at five o'clock. People work all day, and then spend the next couple hours in a sweaty gym, just boxing. Well, the key word there is community. A lot of people forget like the common unity. You know, everybody wants Absolutely. to get together and and actually make a difference. Yeah, and um. What's cool is you notice the kids yeah. doing it too, especially the one thing like you see, and I, I 100% have been recognized this more so. Uh, I've been going more consistently, but even like Brian, he always stresses the kids. If you see somebody, we all started the same 
place. Nine times out of ten, the kid, the kids that sign up don't know how to jump rope. Some people are like everybody's embarrassed. Like, oh, I don't even know how to <laughs> jump rope. That's the first thing we say. It's like first thing you got to do: go out there, you grab a jump rope, you jump over three rounds. They're like, I don't know how. It's it's not a problem. I'll go out with you. I'll grab one. I'll stand there next to you. I'll do it with you. And you start seeing other kids like, no, no, no. They start grabbing the other younger kids. Some of the older kids, they've been there for a couple weeks. Now they can jump rope. So they're grabbing mm-hmm. the new kids. No, no, no. Take your time with it. Do one at a time. One at a time. When you start, they start hitting the heavy bag or shadow box and they hold their hands. You see the other kids grabbing them. Like, no, no, spread your feet out. Like they, that's awesome to see. It's great when we do it. It's great when the coaches do it. You know, that's what we're there for. We're happy to do it. But when you see the kids helping each other, especially the ones that didn't know anything when they showed up, you can see the confidence in them growing. And they appreciate it so yeah. much. And they really do. And you notice the difference in themselves when they come in. Everybody grabs a jump rope, wants to go in a corner because they don't, it's just, in, you know, too many people around. Now they're in the center of the center of the uh, room, jump roping, helping everybody out, talking to everybody. Everybody's hanging out. It's, that's when it's awesome to see. Like a night like tonight, it was kind of, kind of slower, I guess. But there was a good 10 uh, guys in there. Everybody was hanging out with each other. Everybody was jumping rope, hitting the bag, talking. A couple of kids were sparring. Coaches are going from this kid to that kid, making sure everybody's doing something. We had three new guys sign up. Everybody was moving. It was full community at that point. Everybody's hanging out. Everybody was just enjoying it. And it's cool. Again, there were some kids that I recognized there that I remember when they signed up, and they did not know how to jump rope. They're killing it now. Nice. Yeah, it's cool to see that. So, Uh, go ahead. uh, I kind of wanted to just ask. I know each, you know, there's been a ton of kids coming through that's gone through that you guys have helped change their lives um not that you could pick exactly one situation but is there any one achievement like maybe personally to each one of you that um you would say is like this is probably the greatest achievement in your opinion either collectively or there's a couple with a kid a couple kids i remember uh probably teenagers that i can remember from when i was in the gym again i was in there all the time when i was a kid doing homework Probably should have been working out, but I never was. Uh, but I remember all the time, again, we'd leave the gym, get in the car. That would start off with Grandpa always, and it was just, you know, a new lesson that day. Yeah. But uh, he said, remember that kid up there? And I'm like, yeah. And he would just tell me, like, you know, how that, what kind of shape that kid was when he first showed up. And there's three, uh, one they call Pepper, other kid's name's Eddie. Um, this is when we were in the third floor. I was probably in, like, early high school. But I just remember them, the three faces, because they were there for the longest time. And I came in when they were already fighting, so they all, I thought they would have been there for years. My dad was saying where they came from, how they were when they first started. The one kid wouldn't show up. He'd come in. He would start fights with the trainers. He would start fights with my dad. He would leave. And now I'm seeing them, and I would have ne- you would have never guessed it. You never would have guessed it. And never. he's like, you know, they're, they, he's like, I'm so happy to see how they turned out. Never gave up on them. And, yeah. and I, I, I may, I'm sure you know more than I do, Pat, but I don't know if there's any... One single thing that you, you could say that would stand out. Much like my father, I think it's a collective accumulation of works of the kids that you've helped that have gone on to just live good, decent lives and just, just become regular people. And I, I always say you'll never see a heavyweight champ come out of that gym because we've had some talented fighters that come down there. And they do reach it. Not, not, that, not that the trainers aren't qualified. There are some dynamite trainers over there. And you got to be certified. These guys are official trainers. But the gym's not there for that. And if you're, Timmy said it earlier, there's plenty of gyms around that if you want to, if that's where you want to devote your life, you want to be a boxer, hey, awesome, go for it. We're proud, go do it. But it's not going to happen in that gym probably. Uh, and we've had Chris Bonani, uh, uh, 
Ricky Howarth, who's now a trainer over there. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Howarth was Patfield. I'm telling your story, but Eddie Howarth was one of the original trainers, lifelong boxing guy. Just knew everything about boxing. Uh, his kid Ricky, you had to see him on a speed bag. Just the, the kid was a good fighter too, but jump rope, uh, boom, 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 all over the speed bag. Just awesome to watch work out. He's a trainer over there now. It's a, so that's to me, they're the great achievements that you see. You know, again, I'm beating a dead horse. You're never going to see a heavyweight champ come out of that gym. You, you'll never see any kind of world-renowned champ come out of that. But it's just not that kind of that's place. Not what it's for, yeah. yeah, but I think day in and day out, that gym's doing a lot of good for a lot of people. What's Jimmy DeWaco? He's fighting in Joey uh, DeWaco. Joey DeWaco. Yeah, he's uh, he's fighting in Vegas, right? Texas, next in Texas. Saturday. Yeah, and Olivia Fonseca. There's fighters that have gone on. Well, even like, he came like, out of like our that, gym. Even like yeah. what we said, though, he was. <laughs> he gave a good background. No, that's what I'm saying. But I'm, yeah. at a certain we're level, we're not there. Like we're not there for that. Like, when the kids dad, get to that level, or they want to, it's chaos. Turn pro, and they're and that's what they want to do. Yeah, we turn them over to the right people to. No, I mean to step on your toes. No, no, you no, might no. have a great achievement you want to talk about. No, no, no. I don't have a great achievement. I agree with you that that is the greatest achievement. To, to me, the greatest achievement is, like you just said about uh, uh, Howarth. Yeah. And you got a, a police officer walking down the street and see see a kid with a Jack Costello boxing club shirt on, stops and talk to him. I remember Jack Costello, or I trained in that gym when I was a kid. And the... The guys that the people that came in, the folks or some of the fighters, men and women, that boxed with my dad or for my dad or around my dad, they come back and help out. Or if we need anything, they're always there. The the guys we trained twenty starting twenty five years ago, twenty six years ago, they come back and help. Yeah. Like Eric, and there's a lot of them. Brian McGinley, he yeah, was. Yeah, so my dad always says it to a lot of the guys too. The goal yeah, is yeah, Billy Abel, the, some of the guys that Bobby uh, Walls. Yeah, yeah, Bobby Walls yeah. is another one. So they, they, it's like pay it forward. They don't forget. They give back. Um, and every once in a while, you get to this, like the putting that beef and beer together and, and the, everything you need and the equipment. Like you're like, it gets to be heavy burdens every once in a while. Maybe you're having a bad day or whatever. But I, that's for me anyway. And I think about it. And I, and I don't do nearly day to day. These guys do it. Uh, Timmy. Big Tim, Brian, Brian, his, this is, I, I don't know if it's an achievement or what, but there was this, this a significant time for me anyway. I come in the gym probably the last two years and this kid comes in, he's big, he's heavy and he's scared to death. I don't know how he got there. Somebody probably told him to come over. So he's standing there and you could tell that he wanted to do something, but he just couldn't bring himself. And he's standing against the wall. And my son, Brian, would, would just go over and stand next to him and talk to him. This went on for about two or three weeks. He would just go over, standing next to him and talk to him. And I come in one night and he comes over and introduces me to the kid and I'm standing there and I'm, and I'm talking to him. It took that kid that long to just be in the environment, watch right. the whole thing. I came back about six months later. This kid was hitting a heavy bag like he was hitting a brick wall. Yeah. I couldn't believe it was the same kid. He lost a lot of weight. Right. And... He just, just, Brian, he sat and just stood next to this guy who was against the wall for like two or three weeks and talked to him. I don't know what the hell he was saying to him. Well, he always, again, there's a lot of kids that will come in. They don't, again, they might just have nowhere to go, but they don't actually want to box, which is, you know, you just see them kind of hanging out. And it's, go over there, you just talk to them like that. Like, it just turns them around. If you get a kid to feel good about himself, and, and I'm saying kids, these kids are anywhere from 10 years old to 25 years old. They're not all kids. They're, they're, they're not all kids. 
we had a beef and beer a couple years ago, two years ago, and uh, Brian's wife, Nicole, was in the ladies' room, and there was this woman in there, and she says, uh, Nicole says, hi, there. She says, how are you doing? And she, Nicole says, who are you here with? She said, I'm here by myself. And they said, well, what are you doing here by yourself? Like, how'd you come to see it on the internet or whatever? She said her husband died from an overdose of heroin two years prior to that. Her kid went off the rails as a result of that. She said somehow or other, he ended up in this gym and he's back to, to himself. He's happy. He's doing good in school. And she said, I saw this event advertised and I felt that I just had to come and see what the, what these people are doing in the, in the gym. So you, you think back to the guy with the coffee in 7-Eleven. You think about that. And and when, you, when that stuff happens, then you... It's the big picture. Yeah, then you realize it's not... Yeah, you're doing such so a heavy load after right. after all. Yeah. And then he's like I said, you see the kids that grow up in the military, they go with the fire department, police department. Um, we help them with with uh, recommendations because after a while, you really get to know the kids and uh, college. Get them in the right like they they do in school. You point them in the right direction, or you can make a phone call for them to get the right direction. And you guys have such a big community that your reputation definitely. I mean. I mean, we had kids that applied for uh, different jobs in different companies, different uh, building trades, uh, apprenticeship programs and stuff like that. They asked us for a letter of recommendation. We will give them a, a letter of recommendation. If they earned it and they deserve it, mm-hmm. we will. And we get a call. Do you know this kid? Yeah. Like they're, and yeah, we know him. He's a good kid. He's going to be an asset to your organization. And I would highly recommend him. And they, they go on... Like, I know people, we've been open 25 years or 24 years, whatever it is. They've been in uh, 10, 15 years as a, as a police officer, as a fireman, or a, a building trades, carpenter. And, and they're, they're doing well. I've got to say one thing about Patrick's son, Brian, he's really done for us. He put us on the internet with the Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. we, didn't, we never did that. So Brian's got a great Facebook page. I still don't page. do it. Yeah. He's got a great Facebook page. And... He, and he draws attention to the gym, but he also draws attention to other people that need, you know, deserve attention. Good things that are happening. Uh, you may have heard the story about a young boxer who just died this week in a, in a fight. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, so Brian mentioned that in his face. Yeah, it, that's one thing. But he, he does a great job with it, and that's that's all, Brian. I think Megan might help out with that too. I'm not sure, but yeah, Megan does. Yeah, yeah, yeah Megan that's, does. That's a lot. Timmy's daughter, Megan, and they're yeah. they're the they're the future. Yeah, the and internet, young Tim here. The internet's amazing. I mean, it, it it's connecting so many people. I mean, it's how I got connected with you guys. You know, right. I mean, I see. Yeah, but it's past you know, us. He's, he's, I hate the internet. Yeah. And it's, media. it's your world. Yeah. Even with that story with the box that just passed away, the uh, one where they stopped the fight, I heard countless times that Grandpa was that like being that kind of a trainer, as much as. Again, he did love the sport, and he, you know, he fought fighters to be the best and go you know, as far as they could. You know, he was in that mu- that much of a trainer. He would throw the tail in if he ever thought his fighter was in danger. He would and not I, let a kid was, get hurt ever. And never I was, would let a kid I've get hurt. We said the same thing. He, said, times. He, yeah. he would look at a, at a parent's eyes or a mother's eyes and says, "I will not let him get hurt." And he meant and it, he wouldn't. Yeah, as much as, as much as he wanted his fighters to you know to win to go as far as they could in their career, it was not worth them getting them get. He will you know throw the tail in. He's he's. The trainer for the a trainer for a fighter, and it was uh, something we were redoing the gym. It was a labor, so that put it in a good way. He's a trainer for the fighter. Yeah. 
But uh, he cared for you know his, his guys. The the other thing too is like the with the uh, opioid up the epidemic and mm-hmm. the, the drinking and the heroin and drugs and I mean that's affecting everybody from all walks of life. From it doesn't matter what age. Yeah. And but these these young kids, because of all the work that everybody has done, we like you said that the, the network and the people you know they, they like we have kids that that are working in these organizations, and um, when like if we call somebody or say this kid need, really needs help, we tell them the situation. They know that. It's, it's the real deal. So we're actually able to help kids that with, with drug problems or alcohol problems and get them in the right, get them in the right place, get them for the, the, the help that they need. Yeah. So that's what turns, turns people's lives around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, getting in a ring and boxing and fighting and getting in shape, that's all well and good. But like, and it's, and it's really good because you know, it helps your mental discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, 20, 24, 25 years, and you got people on the police force 15 years in, it's like you instilled in you, you instilled in them these principles since they were young that they couldn't get anywhere else. And it, they just, it just carried with them for their lives. And it's like the amount of lives you guys touched is it's, it's just amazing. That's George well, that's, Pirates is a perfect example. I, I met him for the first time chasing his trash dumpster. You said, yeah, go and when I asked him, what are you doing with the building? And he said, what are you doing? Anything I could do to help kids because somebody was there 30 years ago to help him when he needed it. Yeah. It was a boys club in Pittsburgh. He never forgot it. It yeah. turned his whole life around, but he never forgot that. Yeah. Well, even- and that's what we kind of hope these kids are going to remember the moment or the chance that they had. And I would say they will. I believe they will. Yeah, there's countless times where you know guys come back that were fighters of grandpa's back in the day or at the gym when it first opened up, now they're older, they're coming back. But there's even times, like you said, about uh, if there's ever times where like, you think you might have to you know, close it down or can't handle it or something. There was recently, I guess we moved down to the second floor where we weren't sure if the trainer was going to come back. We had to close for a couple months while we had to move down to another floor in the building. And we were nervous about not having any trainers. And me and my cousin were talking to my dad what do we do if we don't have any trainers? Like, what if it's just us? What if we just have uh, one trainer? Um, I guess Man Man was the one that we knew was coming back. Like, what if we have a full room? There's just my dad was looking at us like me and an old trainer Joe Jesus, who's a good friend of the family's. Uh, he's like me and Joe. We ran the gym by ourselves for sometimes the whole year with just you know a full gym. And he's like you just you keep the kids moving, the kids will keep coming in. And he's like you know you, you can just do it. And then the more we got involved, like my. Now my cousin Brian, he's there day to day. He runs day to day. I try to get there two, three days a week. But uh, once you see that, when my dad was saying that, he was because you know we're kind of panicking. My dad, you know, assured us like sometimes I was there by myself with a full gym. You can handle it. Like you just you got to show up every day. You do it, and you learn and again learn from my dad and now my cousin Brian how they handle the gym. It tonight I was there by myself and you care enough about the gym to keep you know to keep running with it. Yeah, that's just another example of what we've been talking about pretty much the whole time. People do whatever they got to do to keep it going. And it's all out of love and care for the kids and just uh, community service to people. And not a dime's being made. It's just being done for the good of, good, the good of doing good work, you know, just getting being part of something. And, and I think that needs to be emphasized so much that you said, you know, not a dime is being made because yes, I'm sorry. so many people are so 
geared toward this dollar? How how can I get rich quick? How can I make the fastest come up? Whose toes can I step on? Whose feet, you know, who right. can I climb over or screw over to get the to get the most money? And it's organizations like like you guys and and communities that you guys put together, you know, from the legacy of your father and your grandfather and it's like those things need to be emphasized more in media in community like just it needs to be brought to attention a lot yeah, more because that's why you're here yeah that's you know that's what we're I mean, here it's, for and, and i have yeah. it's such an honor and a privilege because i'm learning so much from just you got you three you know about your father your grandfather all the things that he's done and just from from what you guys are telling me just a larger than life human being that has you you never even met your grandfather and he's instilled in you so much um so many principles that you guys just continue to instill in other kids that have nothing besides you know going to the the gym to do with you and you guys put your you know put the time in to do those things so uh, Brian and Timmy uh, big Tim if you ever if you ever want to meet my dad, you have to meet his father because he's a he's a carbon copy. Let me interrupt you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll embarrass Patrick, but it, I it, I've said this many times, Jonathan. I got six brothers. Right? We all think we have our father in us, but if you've met Patrick and you've met Big Tim, who's not here tonight, you've met my father, and they they're the two of them. They're usually interchangeable. They're right next to each other all the time. And I'm jealous sometimes, but they're, they've, you sound like they, yeah, that's all I got my father's voice, but they got the, they, they've captured my father's spirit and it's all genuine. They're, they're, I'm very proud of both of them. But they're, they're the guys, Brian, my son, uh, Timmy, his father, Timmy, Megan, Carolyn, they're, they're the ones that. All family. Day to day, every single day over there with those kids on the phone all day long, all night with these kids and the trainers and the fights. Like we got a, the Irish fights coming up. We do a fight once a year with the, the operating engineers and the local five elevator constructors. And it's all union guys that are from our gym, fighters from our gym. They'd fight and they raise money for um, disabled veterans that have, they get chairlifts. Like, there was a guy last year, he was in the house for, uh, I don't know how many years. He couldn't walk. I, I don't know. He might have had an amputated legs or something. I'm not sure. But he was in the house. And he lived in North Philadelphia on a, a row home with a porch and steps. He could just never get out of the house. He was in a wheelchair. So I was giving out tickets to a couple people, inviting them to this thing. And, and a, one woman says, what's that? And I told, explained it to her. And she says, it, I, my father is a veteran a vietnam veteran and he, he she told me the situation i said what is his what's his address so i turned it over to the elevator constructors the next week that guy had a had a lift wow to get off his it was the first time he was out of the house in years and all he had all he wanted to do was go get out and get some fresh air so it's like veterans that don't they not be may not they may have been honorable discharge may have been in um, in the military for two years or something but don't aren't wasn't service connected or whatever the case may be aren't entitled to those type of benefits and so far they did what 180 I think so I th I mean I think one of those for a little I've done uh, they told them through the Carpenters Union is uh, like on Charlie on the weekends I think just one of those things is like 15,000 plus just to get installed at the house. 
Yeah, but I mean, they they have. We've been doing this what three or four years now. Done it three years, I think. Yeah, three years. Yeah. One hundred and eighty lifts have been installed. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the uh, a lift for a vet is the foundation. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know you're right. Yeah. But one hundred percent of the proceeds go strictly for that. That's amazing. And and um, like if you're, it might be a lift up the stairs in the house, they'll do that. It might be a lift to get off the porch. It it could be anything. Along those lines, yeah, a, a ramp, ramps up to the houses or ramps down the steps just to get up, be able to get up, go out in the yard. And we didn't see that stuff happening when the gym was started. Like that's that's all the Background peripheral things, stuff that came out of this gym. You yeah, know, and but like you said, it came out of the gym. That's dumb luck. God, looking over whatever you want to call it. I think it's another thing too. It's when people. Uh, but once again, the kids see this. Yeah, and you get them to be a part of it. Yeah, they're part, part of it. Part of the community. They're, they're all the part community, of it. They're part of the neighborhood cleanup. Community events. Kids are always there again Saturday. You know, kids will be there. You get them involved, and it's uh, they take pride. They always stress like trainers and everybody at the gym. You know, you take pride in your gym. Clean up the gym. You're representing the gym when you're out on the street, when you're wearing a t-shirt, when you're going to the events, mm-hmm. and it gives them something to be a part of. That's another thing too. The kids clean up the gym. Sometimes they don't do a great job, but they <laughs> sometimes they, 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 bottles they put the but, effort in. I mean, I don't do a good job myself, but they clean up the gym. Yeah, and um, but like Kenny said, that's just a, that's just another uh, offshoot. Yeah, offshoot of trying to do a good thing. And people say, well, you know, this guy, this is a good gym. They see what they're doing for the kids, and some of the ways they seen what they were doing for the kids because now the kids are some of those kids are part of their organizations. And um, that, that just, that's just a wonderful thing to be able to participate in. That's it. What you guys are doing is amazing. I mean, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, but man, I, I feel like I, I could talk to you guys for hours, honestly. Right. We can There's, talk for hours. Too. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I would love yeah, to do we guys, this. I'd love to do this again. Glad but, the rest um, of the family's not here. You'd never get out. Just to, uh, just to close it out. If there's like any message you'd like to give to anybody listening, who's, probably going through a hard time or anything like that, you know, something you probably give to the countless amount of kids that come through the gym, a uh, piece of advice from each one of you. I mean, you know, I want to keep, I don't want to harp on it, end on a depressing subject, but suicide is definitely a big thing. It's, I've never seen it so prevalent as it is lately. And we can talk about the gym. The gym can really help with somebody, but in a, in a bigger picture, I'd like to tell the kid, any kid who's listening, don't ever give up. Unfortunately, I don't, my, I, my kids have had friends that killed themselves. And, and I remember one time in particular, we're driving home from a funeral for one of my daughter's friends. And uh, I said to my wife, and my daughter was 13. I said, we got to talk about this. I said, I can't let this go without saying something to her. And I told her, Colleen, you're never, and she's not a depressed kid. I'm just trying to make the point as a parent. You're never by yourself. And I said, something dad used to tell us, as bad as today is, you get up tomorrow, you get another chance to do it over again. And if that sucks, you got another day after that. As long as you keep coming back, you got a chance to get a better day going. So that's a personal note from things I've been through. I don't know if you want to add to that. Or no, what. I just say the same thing. Don't ever give up. And one of the things I learned was your five minutes from success. It doesn't matter how bad things are right now. You're five minutes from success. All you have to do is hang in there for another five minutes. I think something I've noticed growing up with such handsome around uncles. With my, no, honestly, with my, with my dad, my <laughs> uncles, uh, great role models. There are people that haven't grown up around that, that weren't so fortunate. But if you if you don't have that at home and you notice that and you don't have that in your friends, 
reach out and try to get a part, of, be a part of something. There's people that are doing other things with just other uh, sports teams or other uh, like rec leagues or something. There's adults that do care that are doing good things that are helping kids. And if any kid, just you know, try to recognize your surroundings, recognize your home, recognize your friends, and try to be a part of something better because there's positive people out there and there's positive adults and there's 100% people that will help you and that want to help you, that people that enjoy helping you, uh, like helping kids every day. All Good right. job, Timmy. Proud of that kid. On that, we'll end it on that note. I really appreciate it, guys. Seriously, sitting down in this, like, in a piece of history here mm-hmm. with some history in front of us, you know, and, and people coming up, just generations of good things happening. So um, I'd love to do this again whenever I'm, I'm back. And yeah, definitely. I appreciate have, to see what you're doing. Help, I mean, this is yeah, appreciate a really you. cool podcast, and if, uh, the message you're trying to get out there is really respectable. And you know, I appreciate to see this. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank All you. Right, thank you. All right, guys, that was the end of that podcast. If you couldn't tell, I am in Philly. I will be in Philly. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday night. I will be releasing it as I do every podcast on Monday. Um, I have a bunch of other podcasts coming out as well. So stay tuned for the next couple of weeks because we will be releasing podcast interviews as I see fit. This was one of my more, maybe if not the most interesting podcast and favorite podcast that I've done to date. These guys made me feel at home. This is legit one of the Phillyest podcasts ever. If you don't know what the Phil- uh, Philadelphia accent is, this is it. <laughs> the history in the house that we were doing the podcast in, you know, just listening doesn't do it justice. It was an amazing experience to say the least. Uh, I truly hope you guys enjoyed it. And if anyone's listening in the Philadelphia area, I highly encourage you to visit the gym. If you know any kids struggling or going through some stuff, this podcast, if anything, is a testament to how many lives that they're changing and impacting in a positive way. Send those kids their way and help change their lives for the better. This is all I could really say. These guys are the epitome of everything this podcast stands for, so I'm glad to have had the honor of getting to speak with them. If you would li- and if you would like to get more information about this gym and all that they got going on, be sure to visit jackcastelloboxing.com. You can also check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Jack Costello Boxing Club. I'll be sure to list the links in the show notes. And that's all we really have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as I did because these guys took over the podcast pretty much. Um, I'm not complaining at all. And as always, if you want to give some input, share a story or simply say hi you can get in contact with me on facebook and instagram at limelight highlight for those who for those of you who tweet my twitter handle is uh ll highlight and uh if you'd like to send an old-fashioned email i can be reached directly at limelighthighlight at gmail.com as i said before i have a bunch of other podcasts while here in philly so stay tuned for the next couple weeks and i will be releasing them slowly but surely And I hope you guys enjoyed those as much as you enjoyed this one. And as always, be humble, be helpful, pay it forward, and be the best you. I'll see y'all later. Thanks for listening. Peace.